Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guided through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than the gold that perishes in its test, and it is, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Mari. Good morning, church. Actually, we are going to be doing the sermon until verse 12, but it's okay, Mari. You did a wonderful job. So let's start with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we gather before you with grateful hearts. And as we come to your word, please help us to be attentive to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Take away the distractions and make our hearts to be Sink in your word, Lord. And uh, we pray that the meditation of our hearts, Lord, will be pleasant before you this morning. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. For almost 400 years, Christians have sung this praise-worship song that is called doxology. It's a very powerful, very short expression that reminds us that we should thank God for all his blessings. And this worship song goes like this. Praise God from whom all blessings. Good. Praise him all creatures here. Praise him about ye heavenly And then praise the Father, Son, and the Holy and Holy Ghost. So, 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 to 12, is a doxology. It's a song of praise that has been sung for many, many centuries as well. And these nine verses that Maddie read today are divided by periods and are divided by commas, but in the original Greek, they all make up one long sentence. It's very even difficult to read in the Greek because it's one, you take a breath and then you don't stop until the end of verse 12. One big paragraph without non-stop. So these sentence this text is very complex but it has one main idea and it is arranged in the same order as the doxology that we sing 
Peter first talks about the blessings that come from God, the Father, and then the blessings that come from God, the Son. And finally, these verses ended up being and talking about the blessings that come from God, the Holy Spirit. So that's how verse 3 starts. Notice how we start in verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Why is God deserving of our blessings? Why is God deserving of our praises? Why is God deserving of our worship? Well, first he is saying he is the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And this is very important here. This is very important because he's saying you should be singing praises because God is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. While many people claim to know God, John, in the Gospel of John, we read that we cannot truly know God without knowing Jesus Christ. According to John, if we don't know the Son, we do not know the Father. So Peter is telling us in this first paragraph of these first three, blessed, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Without Jesus Christ, we cannot have a relationship with God. Without Jesus Christ, you and I cannot call God, our Father. So that is the first thing that John is telling us and calling our attention in this verse. So the second reason why God deserves our blessings, why God deserves our worship is that He has caused us to be born again. Read with me. You have on, your, on the screens or open your Bibles in verse 3. We read, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who, according to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Peter is, Peter, Peter is telling us here that we should be jumping and singing and playing our violins all over the church here and elevating our, elevating our voices because we, a part that we have received the gift of Jesus, he, he has cast us to be born again. He has caused us to be a new creation. Do you remember what Jesus told Nicodemus in John chapter 3? Jesus told him, No one can see the kingdom of God without being born again. Period. And so Peter is telling us, you should be singing because God has caused you to be born 
again. You are a new creation. Being born again is not about being a good person. It is about having a new nature. That is what Christianity is about. Christianity is not about God making bad people good people. Christianity is about God making dead people alive. And that is an amazing miracle. You cannot produce it. You cannot even attempt to produce it. In another part of the Bible, we read that we even don't care. We don't want it. So, it is, you know, this miracle that is not about resolutions to try harder and harder to follow the rules and diet or to be disciplined or to read the Bible through the year or to, you know, many resolutions that you can take. This, to be a Christian, is about becoming a new creation from the inside out, something that only God the Father can do in us. And that should be a reason to bless, to worship, to praise God the Father. In this new life, is described in verse 3, according that we have received this, this newborn according to his great mercy. Notice in verse 3, blessed be the God of Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again. God was moved by compassion, and as a result, he sent his only son, so then he can give us a new life and a new nature. That was the miracle of God the Father. It's all he's doing. How, how you ever thought about how you came into existence into this world? You didn't choose where, when, or how you were born, did you? If that, if that were so, I am sure that all of you would have chosen to be born in my beloved Guatemala, right? In another part of the world. But in the same way, we cannot take credit for our spiritual existence. Our salvation is not something we earn or deserve or we produce. It's a gift from God according to his great mercy. Being saved. It's not about how good we are, how much we do, but about how kind, how compassionate, how merciful God is toward us. And therefore, if, you have been, if, if we have been born again, if we have been born again, Peter tells us, sing praises to God the Father. Because it's because of him that you came into existence. 
And being born again means that we have been saved, but we have not only been saved from eternal condemnation, from death, but also for a purpose. And this purpose is, according to verse 3, to a living hope. He has caused us to be born again to a living, to a living hope. But the question is, how can we be hopeful in a world of hopelessness? And you know what? You're right. It is impossible. It is understandable if we do not have much hope for the near future or for the coming year. But Peter tells us in this verse that we can still have hope for what will happen in the next 10 billion years that we have ahead of us. He's telling us you need to lift up a little bit your eyes and to see that your hope is not temporary. It's a living hope. It will never die. The living hope is based on the fact, on the truth, that God, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, is preparing a better place for us. A better place for us, a new kingdom, a better place where there is not going to be any more tears, no more suffering. Even if we might not feel hopeful in the short term, God assures us that we have ultimate hope in what he will do for us. That is a living hope. In a world of chaos and confusion, the Christian's hope points toward Jesus like a compass points always to the north. Sometimes the, the needles of the compass, when you take it and look at it, is going around and around. But if you wait a little bit, the needle is going to point to the north. Christians, even in, in the middle of all our Life for our mess, our, our chaos. Christians have a compass that points to the hope, the living hope that is Christ Jesus. The empty, the empty tomb proves that our story doesn't end with the troubles and trials of this world. The resurrection of Jesus Christ shows us the mercy of God, causing us to be born again to a living hope. But there is more. It also gives us an inheritance. Notice what he's saying in, verse, in, in the next verse there. We go with me in verse 4. It says, 
He has caused us to be born again to a living hope, verse 3, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And verse 4 says, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. This inheritance is imperishable and undefiled, and it's a gift that we have received because our relationship with our new father. Because we have born again, we have a new father, and God is telling us, you have a living hope, but more, you have now an inheritance. Praise be to God, the Father. This inheritance is even better than, than an earthly one because it will never get old, mold, or sold. That's all. It's guaranteed to all those who have been born again. And this gets even better. Verse 5 says that this inheritance is being guarded by God's power for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. What Peter is telling us here is that God protects and secure both the inheritance that we are going to, re to receive and the ones who will receive the inheritance. To understand this, kids, I want to give you an example. It's like a planning a surprise party for someone. One person stays back, decorates the house, prepares the food and the gifts, and he is the one who welcomes the guests, while the other person makes sure the birthday girl or the birthday boy gets to the party. In our case, God does it all. By his power, he has prepared our inheritance. And by his power, he has ensured we will receive this inheritance. He will take us there. There is no insurance company that can match this deal, my dear friends. Nothing in this life can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Our security is not based on our own power, but it's based on the power of God. God is the one with his power that guards our inheritance, and with his power, he will make sure that we are present to receive it. Better than that, impossible. So we are being saved and being born again to a living hope. 
that are kept and guarded by God himself. He keeps you under lock and key until you breathe your last or until he comes again. You are assured that you have an inheritance and you are assured that you will receive it. But then if we continue in verses, in the next verses, verses 9, verses 6 through 9, we see the second reason why God is worthy of our praises, why God is worthy of our blessings. And Peter instructs believers to praise God, the Son, for helping us grow through our trials. These believers that Peter is addressing this letter were facing some really difficult times, but he is reminding them and he is reminding us that our trials have a purpose. And what is that purpose? Well, if we see in verse 6, he's saying, In these you rejoice. In these you rejoice, though now for a while, for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trial. In these, in these you rejoice. And what things that we rejoice? Well, this refers to all what we have been talking before, to the mercy of God who sent his beloved son. It, it, in these we rejoice that because of his mercy, we have been born again to a living hope. In this we rejoice because through Jesus we have received an inheritance and we, and we are sure that we are going to receive that inheritance. So in this we rejoice. But, but for a while, there are various Various trials. But he is saying, but we can rejoice. Even when we are in the middle of the trials. In this you rejoice. Trials, various trials are for a little while. Hard times don't last forever. They are temporary. When we compare our struggles to eternity, they're just a small, tiny part of our journey. So we do well to rejoice in the bigger picture. And that joy can help us not to dismay by the temporary trials. I love what the writer Warren Wiersbe says, he says, when God allows his children to go through the furnace, he keeps an eye on the clock and his hand on the thermostat. It's just a little while and he's watching the, the clock. It's just for a period of time, and he's watching the clock. And he's going up the temperature, but he's saying, it's for a while. It won't last forever. When we face times of trials, it's common to wonder why we are going through these challenges. 
Why are we sick? Why is our business failing? Why are we tempted by things that aren't good for us? Why I cannot find a job? Why I cannot have realization in the things that I am doing right now? Peter says that these trials have a purpose. They help us grow and strengthen our faith. It's like refining gold, which is heated up to remove impurities and make it more valuable. Our trials can make our faith stronger and more genuine. And Peter is telling us, and those trials and being your faith tested is more valuable than gold. Both are tested with fire. But your faith in the eyes of God has more value than gold. And in the end, we can, we can come out of the trial with a more precious, more costly faith. And the tested faith will, says verse 5, will result in praise, glory, and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. This beautiful passage tells us that Jesus, at Jesus' second coming, he will honor, he will praise, and he will reward those who have praised and celebrated and enduring while passing through the trials and difficulties. Honor, praise, and glory. You are going to receive that from Jesus when he appears. Of course, I was telling my wife, then later we will give all those, all those medals that we are going to receive, all those crowns that we are going to receive. Later we are going to put all those at the feet of Christ because we are going to tell him, it's because of you that I am here. At the end, all is yours. But you are going to be praised. You are going to be rewarded. When you are passing through the trials and, are you, and when you are looking to the eternity as well. Have you ever heard about Matthew Henry? Well, he was a renowned author in Bible, of Bible commentaries. And one day he was robbed. And he wrote about this incident in his diary. However, what's remarkable is that he expressed gratitude to God instead of anger and frustration. He wrote in his diary, I give thanks to God. He says, I'm sorry, he wrote that he was thankful that he had never been robbed before. Not the first thankful that he wrote. 
And then he wrote that he was grateful that the thief did not harm him. And then he says, and I am appreciate that he was the one who was robbed and not the one doing the robbing. So imagine this man writing, um, thank you, Lord, I was robbed. This story demonstrates a great example of having golden faith. Don't you think? I was, during this week, I was complaining, very frustrated with a friend. I was telling I smashed the rear, the rear window, rear end, or the mirror of the car. It was not my car, my wife's car, when I was getting out of the, of the garage. And I was telling my frustration to this person. And at the end, I was realizing that I was telling this frustration to a person who is fighting against cancer. And this person told me, let me pray for you, my <laughs> Golden face. golden face that is what Peter is telling us here the faith is going to test the quality of your faith the trials are going to test the quality the preciousness of our faith so instead sometimes of Telling people poor he's suffering. We need to be asking God, help my brother to pass this trial and at the end to receive a golden face. But finally, in verses 10 to 12, Peter invites us to praise the Holy Spirit for revealing the gospel through us. He's telling us that through the Holy Spirit, the Old Testament prophets announced the Messiah's arrival and they were searching extensively to understand who it will be and when it will be this person. They were writing about the Messiah, but they were saying, when this is going to happen, who is going to be this person? And as, as New Testament believers, you have something that the prophets of the Old Testament did not. You have the incredible privilege of understanding this precious gospel that we have received through the scriptures, to, through the apostles, to those who wrote about Jesus in this book. We can see clear the whole picture. We have this incredible privilege of understanding the gospel in a way even that the angels desires to understand. I can imagine the angels seeing people getting into glory and they look at them and say, look, 
a miracle. John Newton. Daniel, come on, a miracle. How he did it? <laughs> Praise be to God. <laughs> they are weaker than us. They are amazed. They say like, hey, one more is saved. That's a miracle. Let's celebrate. They are amazed when they see you. Can you imagine that? You have the privilege to enjoy this great salvation that they cannot enjoy. When the other angels fail, they will never be forgotten. They will never be forgiven, I'm sorry. But us, through trials, through complainings, through yawning, He is telling us, I'm, I'm taking you from, from, from the hand because you, you will not make it alone. And he will take us there. That's what, what Peter is saying here. Peter credit this understanding to the work of the Holy Spirit who inspired the prophet, who empowered the preachers, the apostles, and, that, and, 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 and who, who illuminate the hearts of believers to grasp the gospel. So at the end, Peter says, praise the Holy Spirit because he has given you insight into the mysteries of this gospel that even the prophet and the angels long to understand, long to understand. And that's the reason to praise God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit this morning. He has cast us to be born again to a living hope, to an imperable, imperishable inheritance that is awaiting for us. To the power of God, through the work of Christ, and through the empowerment that the Holy Spirit gives us. Illumination of the Holy Spirit. Don't you think that we should be singing this last song with gusto today? Let us pray. Lord, we give you thanks for all your blessings. Thank you for this new life this new living hope, this inheritance. Thank you for Jesus, for guiding us through trials and refining our faith. We give you thanks for the Holy Spirit, for revealing the gospel, for opening our eyes to the, to the mysteries of the gospel, may our lives resound with a continuous praise to you. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's sing together. Let's stand up and let's sing this beautiful song, Living Hope, together. If the girls who were singing earlier want to come up and sing? Oh yes, come let's on up. join us.
to sing we went together. through that song together. Let's sing Living Hope. <clears throat>